All right, welcome back, everybody. This is the Fault Line Podcast. My name is Alex Davis, and this one is accompanying article. Article? No, it's not an article. I keep doing this. It's an issue. It's an issue of Fault Line. Eight hundred eighty-three. There we go. So joining me today is our esteemed editor, Tommy Flanagan. Hello. And my esteemed uh, Rethink TV colleague, Rafi Cohen. Hello. So Tommy, it's been it's been a busy week for us, hasn't it, in in the Fault Line world? Yeah, well, that that early blunder from you pretty much uh, sums up the <laughs> the week. <laughs> really. Um, oh, yeah. So yeah, we we hosted our second ever Faultline Video Summit on Tuesday this week, featuring Deutsche Telekom as our headline act, and we had Adetto and Technicolor waving the vendor flags, and we've had some super positive feedback already, which is lovely despite there being quite a few hiccups, which I'll, I'll mention now before we dig out um, uh, some key takeaways from the event. So it all started really when a man on a ladder with a very large drill started making a racket directly outside the, the office door with about an hour to go um, before the webinar. Thankfully, he was done and dusted with about 15 minutes to spare. So starting to relax and we're, we're in the lobby just having a chat among panellists as you do before you go live and with about five minutes to go disaster strikes as I'm suddenly booted out in a blaze of connection timed out error messages so obviously I'm panicking big time my head's boiling at this point I'm thinking it's game over but I quickly established that there's absolutely nothing wrong with the internet connection it's not a device or a browser problem because I've tried to log in on five different browsers on three different devices but teams and email and and whatsapp they're all working perfectly on all those so my last resort is to go pure g pure g pure 4g (laughs) on my phone and and lo and behold i'm i'm in and we uh i think we only start about two minutes late so we we saved it by the 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 skin of our teeth really Uh, and then it becomes clear that um can't actually see the Q&A on the mobile browser version so that's where Alex comes to the rescue um, among other things and is pinging me questions via email to to read out and then it wasn't until after the event that um, what I thought was was showing my whole face on the screen of the phone was actually half about half my face on the on the bigger screen so so on the the on-demand version I kind of look like this sort of stereotypical old person trying to do a video call (laughs) <laughs> which is quite amusing. So um, anyway, I've got the the technical uh, issues off my chest now. So a few key takeaways are that um, our Deutsche Telekom executive, Augusto, is a, uh, a real advocate really for listening and learning from the, the pure internet players, which is nice to hear from um, uh, an operator point of view. So this is in the sense of kind of understanding what is the best combination of components to deploy in a video architecture, whether that's Android TV or RDK of which Deutsche Telekom has deployed both um, uh, the former for uh, Greenfield and the latter for Brownfield, um, which you can hear a bit more about in more detail in the event. And uh, of course, um, the internet guys bring a much faster life cycle of product innovation. So that's what he's really um, keen to drive in his team. And this is taking Deutsche Telekom down the road of kind of decoupling these components and making sure they behave independently. And that's, of course, where microservices come in and which is actually the the topic of our headline story um, this week. Um, So Augusto was kind of talking about how this can bring uh, A-B testing and new AI-based services, and he effectively kind of dodged the competitive Vodafone question by by saying they're more or less on the the same path. But um, another kind of relatable message um, 
is that an open architecture does not necessarily mean an open bar. And this was a very important one from uh, Technicolor because operators, certain operators, are still apparently under the illusion that open platforms like RDK and Android TV means that these components, some components come free and the, the time to market is kind of super quick. But obviously the, rea the reality is, of course, that you, you need to follow a really strict set of rules. Otherwise, the whole shebang just collapses and you know, your applications applications won't work, um, to put it bluntly. Um, so those are a couple of key messages. And of course, um, we had a, a really awesome Q&A session, actually, that was much longer than last time and covered a whole load of uh, ground on, on different topics. So um, yeah, please uh, check that out. And we're actually um, thinking about shaking up the, the format for our third event so anyone listening got any ideas any feedback then yeah please let us know yeah i'd say you know was it even a webinar if they were in technical difficulties you know is the pope catholic i think exactly at least people are used to them by now it's a silver lining oh yeah sweet all right thanks very much tommy uh we'll jump on to our next one so uh rafi this week you were uh, you were following up on on something uh Related to our, our Rethink TV service, so uh, yeah, China gets comfortable as AV1 finds mobile placeholder in Oppo. Could you tell us more, please? Yeah, sure. So um, the Alliance for Open Media is obviously the, the big organization kind of driving uh, AV1, which mainly see as the main uh, competitive codec for, well, HEVC and also the successor to that, VVC. Um, and they've just welcomed their newest promoter member, um, Oppo, or Oppo, I'm not sure, which is a Chinese uh, device manufacturer. Um, what this means is that it will just collaborate on all of um, Alliance for Open Media's various initiatives, which is kind of influencing content creation, provision, delivery, uh, consumption, but most importantly, um, video compression, which is where AV1 comes into things. Um, and this is a pretty, I guess, a welcome addition to AO Media because the one of the larger criticisms of AV1 is that kind of HEVC is kind of racing ahead in terms of hardware deployment. Um, it's basic, HEVC is basically in every new phone, every new PC, and like well over half of all new set-tops. Um, whereas AV1 is kind of really lacking a mobile presence. Um, even though AO Media, you know, it's got Intel and Apple at the top of its board, uh, is really lacking in, in hardware. Um, and so, yeah, getting any kind of mobile device maker is a victory but for AO Media, but it's kind of hard at this stage to tell how big a victory it is. It could be quite a small one. I mean, firstly, Oppo, you know, it's sizable, but it's hardly, you know, an Apple or a Huawei. They've only got 16% um, of the Chinese handset market, and I'm not sure that their presence outside of China is really notable enough to, to warrant any stats on it. Um, and obviously... AV1 is still not in, you know, iPhones, even though Apple's at the top of its board. So it's, you know, it's a small victory, but really the, the main the main footprint moves that AV1 needs to make still haven't been made. Um, and as we kind of touched on last week in one of your articles, Alex, uh, AV1's still really only in two mobile chips by uh, MediaTek and Rockchip and Qualcomm have uh, snubbed it for its latest Snapdragon series, even though they have said that it's probably coming out at some point in the future, but who knows when. Um, and yeah, generally, uh, kind of manufacturers and OEMs have been kind of hesitant with AV1 because, you know, the, the free royalty offer is so attractive, but, you know, as criticisms grow louder from the likes of uh, Sysvel, that's, I don't know, it kind of seems almost like a poison apple, you know, it could, could really go downhill if they jump on board too quickly. So it's, you know, 
Judging the general mood of the room with device makers, it definitely is a victory, but how much of a sizable difference it's going to make is really uh, hard to say. But what it does do is kind of add momentum to what you touched upon last week, Alex, which was uh, the first uh, hardware encoder. It was essentially an ASIC uh, for AV1 was released by uh, NetInt in Canada. And yeah, there's at least this new announcement from AO Media keeps the momentum up. But kind of the most... Uh, I guess the, the biggest takeaway from this news was that it just kind of shows that China's really getting comfortable in codex and standardization on an international stage. Uh, previously, it's always kind of been seen as isolated and a wild card. Uh, it's also had its own um, AVS codex, and they've never really made any headway outside of China. Um, but the past five years has really seen this shift. And this is because Chinese companies have learned that arriving in foreign markets with patent infringement is not really that fun. Uh, and it's quite expensive and the best way to stop this hurting is to arrive with your own huge IP library uh, to balance things out um, and so while Chinese companies have been barely involved in the development of HEVC uh, if you look at the development of VVC they make up around 50% of all that or around 50% of all the IP held for VVC is uh, residing with Chinese companies and if you take like a couple of case studies uh, Huawei has a 13% share of VVC IP, which is like over three times larger than the roughly four, three or 4% it held for HEVC. And ByteDance has almost 10% of VVC IP. And I, ByteDance may have existed when HEVC was standardized, but certainly no one really knew what it was. And uh, it had absolutely no uh, IP involved in HEVC. So it's gone from nothing to 10%, which is obviously huge. Um, so yeah, the main, the, the main takeaway is that we've just kind of now got more voices in, in China battling for AV1. Obviously, the major one is Tencent, but now Oppo's in there too. Lovely stuff. Yeah, something we've been plotting. So uh, yeah, thanks very much, Rafi. We'll, we'll hopefully get some of the uh, some of those uh, insights out uh, well, about a month, I reckon, hopefully, for yeah, everything TV. All right, good stuff. Thank you, Rafi. So uh, yeah, my turn, I guess. Um, I was looking at the NFL, which has doubled its TV deal value, but questions of sustainability arise. So, yeah, um, it, the news started trickling out last week, um, but essentially it's uh, $110 billion worth of uh, uh, broadcast um, sports rights uh, running from 2023 through to 2033. Um, and it was a bit strange. A lot of the early takes from uh, a lot of the other uh, media outlets were saying that um, you know oh, this is the death of the multi-channel uh, pay TV bundle, uh, which I think was uh, pretty alarmist. Because um, it turns out um, that there hasn't really been much of a, a shake-up, and if you count it by number of games, 94% uh, of the games are still going to be found on broadcast TV. Uh, only about 6% are making the jump um, across to uh, over-the-top streaming. And the sort of unsurprising victor there was Amazon, um, which has managed to uh, sort of poach Thursday Night Football uh, from Fox. Um, and uh, this now means that you, if you sort of discount the in-market restrictions, um, you now absolutely need an Amazon Prime subscription if you want to watch every single game. Um, now, of course, Amazon Prime uh, is quite commonplace in US households. I would imagine the overlap with pay TV households is is pretty pretty significant. Um, so I don't know if that's actually much of a sort of consumer burden or a pain point. Um, but I think it's it's a sort of a significant line in the sand that we, we kind of seem to have crossed. Um, so the sort of only outstanding deal uh, that we have 
is uh, the Sunday ticket, um, which is the out-of-market um, package, uh, which DirecTV has held since 1994. Um, and nearly all of the sort of uh, rumors and reporting are suggesting that uh, AT&T's DirecTV is not going to renew that deal. Um, Amazon has been involved in simulcasting uh, uh, the Sunday ticket, um, so it seems likely that Amazon's going to pick that up as well. Um, but even if it does, um, it's still going to be uh, sort of a minority of the total uh, sports rights that are on the table. So, yeah, when you when you sort of add that in, um, as it stands, uh, it's about ten billion dollars a year um, in in sports rights. But when you add in what we expect the Sunday ticket to go for, uh, the NFL is probably going to be putting away between twelve and thirteen billion dollars um, a year in in rights um, for sort of compound annual growth. That's twenty four percent annual sort of growth in, in the running total uh, which is pretty significant and of course if you divide the the total uh, sort of 138 billion dollars uh, by that sort of aforementioned 94 percent and six percent you can still see that um, pay tv and tv in general is is still king here um, for sports and that's not really surprising but i think in contrast to uh, some of the other um, sort of reporting that we've seen um, which are a bit sort of uh, the sky is falling uh, it's it's not quite as bad as it sounds. Um, so I just I just wanted to sort of bring up a a previous rethink TV uh, forecast where we were looking at uh, global sports. Uh, we published that in 2018. Uh, we were saying by sort of 2025 it would be 85 billion dollars a year. Um, in in the graph that's included here, you can see that that's kind of ticking up uh, at the end of the period. But based on the NFL's uh, new deals, which are kicking in in 2023, um, that uptick uh, might be coming sort of earlier. Um, and yeah, just just the the only sort of um, uh, kind of takeaway we've got is that if you look at the Fox and Amazon trading, uh, it basically looks like the NFL has doubled uh, what it was asking for all of these TV packages, or all of the deals. Um, so yeah, it's a pretty good time uh, to be in uh, a major uh, sports league. Um, so yeah, uh, we'll sort of move on there. There was an interesting King of Babylon uh, discussion as well, um, but we'll skip past that one. Uh, and we'll we'll head now into the worth noting section. Uh, and as is tradition, Rafi, five years ago today, what, what was going on? Uh, yeah, this ties in kind of well with what I was speaking about before, which is uh, essentially that it seems when anything happens with Codex, it all comes down to patents, essentially. But uh, yeah, five years ago, um, Israeli video optimization specialist Beamer um, had just acquired Vanguard Video, which was a provider of HEVC and AVC technology. Uh, this was mainly because uh, the deal meant that Beamer now held uh, intellectual property for both of those codecs, and therefore it was able to apply its own content adaptation technology uh, without offering up its own IP as open source, uh, which is mandated by GPL version two. Uh, essentially, Beamer's technology is just almost like a, a codec on top of a codec. It's like a, an enhancement thing. Um, essentially reducing bandwidth even further. Um, but yeah, we kind of said it looked as though Beamer was gearing up to fill the hole that was left by a string of top tier codec acquisitions, the most notable of which at the time was AWS acquiring Elemental. Yeah, and uh, it's been pretty hectic in, in that, that period anyway. Um, lots more deals uh, in the meantime. Uh, Tommy, anything that catches your eye you want to draw our attention to? Well, something that was 
almost a worth noting, but I decided to expand on last minute as a standalone story is the revelation that AWS has just signed up for the SRT alliance and added SRC, SRT support to its Elemental uh, Media Connect and Live products, which is massive because in uh, back in October 2018, when I interviewed High Vision, um, which is uh, a co-founder of uh, the protocol, of course, and um, I was saying, well, you've had this huge buzz with Microsoft Azure NAB a few months earlier. Um, so where's AWS in all of this? And I was told that the, the AWS user groups have been absolutely screaming for SRT support and that High Vision has been trying to apply this pressure on AWS to, to sign up and add support. But for one reason or another, it has taken on going three years for that to happen, despite AWS supporting RIST and 6E and RTP with FEC. So not quite sure why it's um, it's taken this long. It's been dragging its heels other than being perhaps a petty feud with uh, Azure. But um, looking at the bigger picture, we think if AWS is anywhere near the influence on SRT adoption over the next three years, as Microsoft has had in the past three years, then things are about to blow up. And and I will be able to dig in and get my CMAF on. So I'm very excited by, by any, any progress nice. in containers. Yeah, <laughs> Transport layer best layer um all right good stuff i uh, know oh, wait no I, one thing i wanted to point out um in the svod world uh curiosity stream um has published some numbers uh and of course they make no sense um because uh it's it's increased its its revenue from 18 million dollars to, to 39.6 which is great uh but i mean if i went to a bank and said can i get some finance on this my losses are still 38.6 million i would be laughed out of the room so i'm, I'm still never sure why the big companies get away with it um, <laughs> that's the world of sford <laughs> i know so yeah i'm currently sitting at 20 million subscribers at the end of 2020 so um it added 5 million in a year so I mean, it, it's doing well but yeah money money isn't real it's all very strange <laughs> so tommy uh is there anything to tease for next week uh no after the the week i've had i'm going into hibernation <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I assure you there will be an issue out next week, though, dear readers. Um, don't there worry. Will. <laughs> Tommy, Tommy, Tommy will recover. Um, all right, then. So if you head to our website, uh, rethinkresearch.biz, that's where you'll find Faultline. Uh, free four-week trials there. You can have a look at Rethink TV's uh, executive summaries. Uh, we're currently working on that transcoding forecast. Uh, we have a webinar next week, Rethink TV does. That was on our live, over-the-top sports security uh, forecast so um yeah head head to the website and uh twitter linkedin you'll find you'll find the links there um and if you can uh share the word tell a friend and leave us a, a nice review in your podcasting app of choice if you would so uh yeah that's it from me thanks very much cheers see ya